This is Kylie Miller, and welcome to the first episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Report podcast. R.L. Frazier, Dennis Burns, and myself are extension agents covering the parishes along the Mississippi River. We started this podcast to talk about all things related to agriculture in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula parishes. Topics for our first few podcasts will be cover crops, spring weed control, and the Northeast Research Station. We hope you will subscribe and become a regular listener as we strive to bring you news of what's happening in the agriculture in the Louisiana Delta. Hello everyone, I'm R.L. Frazier, your host for the day. I'm County Agent with LSU Ag Center, stationed in uh, East Carroll and Madison Parish. I'll be your host for today. I have with me this morning Dr. Josh Copes, research agronomist at the St. Joe Research Station, and we're going to discuss cover crops. Morning, Josh. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Morning, Mr. R.L. Josh, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about cover crops. There's, there's a lot of questions come up about them, pros and cons. You know, it's, it's, it's just a tremendous amount of discussion out there. Uh, first question that usually comes to mind anytime these type discussions come up is, uh, is, is what's the value of, of the cover crop? Is there a value in them? Absolutely, there's a value. And the value can kind of go back to how or what the producer wants to accomplish by growing a cover crop. There's a lot of research about weed suppression, a lot of research about you know nutrient scavenging. Obviously, it keeps the soil on the field. There's no doubt when the water infiltration, when we have wet years like this, this is you know something to consider. Getting water into the soil instead of holding your low spots and areas of the field. Um, as I mentioned, nutrient scavenging, that's that's a big deal. You know, let's keep the nutrients in the top part of the soil. Any nutrient in the soil solution is subjected to leaching and moving out of our effective root zone. They can help with um, soil compaction. However, I wouldn't rely solely on that unless you're going to be in a long-term type system to eventually wear down that hard pan. Um, you, you touched on something there. Maybe we can try to get a little deeper into is uh, what are some of the goals and the strategies for cover crops? In other words, you know, if I understood you right, maybe we're saying you know you gotta gotta have a plan. You just don't go out there and just start throwing some seed on the ground. Kind of maybe give us a little idea about some goals or something a little bit more detail on what you talked about with the uh, erosion and stuff. Yeah, you know, erosion's a a major concern on your place. A farm uh, growing cereal covers is a great option. It's going to hold the soil. We saw several instances the past few years where cover crops were used. Beds were nice and tall still in the springtime, so we know we're holding soil. And with that, you know, depending on some of the covers you could use, I always I would always lean towards something. I can terminate. Um, we have seen some issues with terminated cover crops, and we'll get into that a little later. But the goal is, you know, if I was worried about nutrient cycling or, you know, recycling what nutrients were left over after crop harvest, I would still plant a cereal more than likely or some deep or rooted uh, crops such as tillage radish or even some of the clover species are good. 
if I wanted to try to produce some nitrogen, now you're looking at winter pea, hairy vetch to you know help supplement. Uh, you could also have a mixture of cereal and legumes, and hopefully the legumes will help in terms of reducing nitrogen tie-up to uh, help break down the residue as well. So I'm not sure. I'm probably missing a whole bunch of different goals that we could have here, but those are a lot that come to mind. Okay. But, you know, when you look at a lot of these ditches around now with some a lot of real murky, no doubt there's nutrients in there with it that okay. we may have applied in the fall and maybe we can get a dollar amount one day. Uh, you mentioned something there brings up another topic I want you to try to expand on a little bit is uh, you were talking about end tie-up, nitrogen, uh, nitrogen tie-ups and stuff. Yes, um, you know, with a lot of biomass, depending on how long you allow the the cereal to grow is going to determine what the carbon-nitrogen ratio. The higher that number, the more likely that you're going to have microbes utilize any nitrogen that you put out unless you're burying it deep enough because they have to have a nitrogen source to break down. And as long as they have carbon and nitrogen, they're going to temporarily immobilize it. It will come back out, you know, within the season and next year. But that is a concern when putting a lot of money out in nitrogen and if that's going to affect our yields if we're losing some there. Okay, very good. All right, kind of move on a little bit from that. You've touched on some of this. Maybe we can get into a little bit more detail on it. Uh, how, do, how do we decide what to plant, when to plant, and what to plant? You know, I know you was talking about some of that earlier, but maybe go into a little bit more details of, you know, how do we, de- or, you know, how do we decide uh, What's the plan? You know, let's just take them one at a time. You know, what and when and 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 and. Uh, so, for what to plant, it'll go back to goals you intend to accomplish. If I'm nutrient uh, recycling and soil erosion, I'm going to lean towards the cereal. I know that's going to be part of my um, seeding. Now, if I wanted, if I'm going to plant corn, let's say. I might I don't we don't have research yet on this, but might not need a legume with the nitrogen type because we're still terminating at such an early time that we're gonna have it'll be a higher carbon a lower carbon nitrogen ratio, so less soil uh, I mean nitrogen immobilization. But if I'm going into cotton and soybean, now we're getting to where we got to consider nitrogen type not necessarily for soybeans but definitely for for cotton early season growth um okay well you were talking about there you know forest wind to plant what 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 is the best time frame to come back and and plant you know your cover crops before you harvest immediately after weeks after harvest kind of give me some ideas there well kind of like with any other crop if you can get in as early in the fall as possible, the bet, better, you know, especially for legumes that are slow growing in the winter. Also, if you plant corn, you know, the earlier you can plant those fields to cover, the more biomass you'll get, more ground cover, and therefore more benefit out of the cover. Um, um, but NRCS does have 
recommendations of when you should plant. And depending on if a producer's in a program or not, they have to adhere by their guidelines of seeding rate and when to plant. But typically, if I can get in in October, that's great. But there's also a lot of groundwork going on, and it kind of definitely get it in before middle of November. Okay, good. Uh, and you had touched on this. You know, I'm my first recollection of here in ground cover, we were pretty much talking about one species, and that was wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I hear all these different recipes that people have for for cover crops. Uh, Kind of give me some examples of that. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe go into a little bit more of, you know, if you were going to plant corn, uh, what mixes? Just straight wheat or would you be looking at well, wheat vetch or something? Well, that's a good question. And I didn't mention this earlier, but we have a lot of research trying to address some of these needs or questions. But to, if I was going to plant corn, Knowing that I'm going to be terminating early, I'm going to look at what is going to do more for holding my soil in place, probably, and, and that's going to be a cereal. Now, do I need a legume? That, that's still out for debate right now. There's been plenty of research in other states that have shown you know, multiple species of cover crops do not increase yield versus a monoculture. So, comes back to we got so much money to spend and how do we want to spend it okay okay very good now that kind of leads me into another question that was uh i know you and uh mr dennis burns tweeted a a post yesterday of y'all in a field looking at some cover crops and we've had quite a bit of interest you know replies to that so uh you know then some of the questions was the wheat was getting tall you know, how, how many shots of Roundup's it going to take or glyphosate to kill this? You know, what's what's going to be the weed control or the burn-down procedure on that? What about, uh, you know, there was even some questions on down pressure and how hard it was going to be to plan in it. So kind of take that and give us a little idea of what you're talking about there. So we, when we went to the field yesterday, the question was, what do I need to do to terminate this? So when you, Looking at the wheat stage that in the field, there was a, I forgot what, it's going reproductive, but it's a long way from the boot stage. So it's still got a pretty low carbon nitrogen ratio, so the down pressure deal, it should, if terminated now, could have enough time to, that shouldn't be a problem. Now planting into it at green would be really easy compared to a lot of biomass that's dry and on top of the soil surface. And with all the rain that we've had lately, it's, it's and the river being so high, got a, a concern is soil moisture. We gotta get in and plant corn, hopefully. And if we're terminating a lot of cover like that, and that was going into corn, it's liable to hold in a lot of moisture for a longer period of time. So the option there would be allow it to grow and drink and utilize the water and hope not to have too much of a wet feet fitting into planting. Um, terminating Roundup, I'd run a quart of a five pound material, or that's about a pound and a third active. And I haven't had any issues controlling wheat here, but it 
there's different scenarios that had we saw last year. Me and you, Mr. Ariel, and, and East Carroll saw a lot of wheat that was had very poor control with glyphosate. Wheat is inherently difficult to kill for whatever reason, and going after wheat too early, like in January, while it's dormant, it could run into issues where you're not getting complete control. And, you know, thinking about that, hard water could be an issue too. And of course, the temperature, the environmental condition, time of application. Some research shows that for glyphosate to translocate, you know, efficiently, temperatures need to be, a, the low temperatures need to be above 48 and the high temperatures above 50. And you really need to look at that forecast three days before and three days after planting to ensure that we're getting the translocation because if glyphosate doesn't translocate, it will not work. Um, but one shot on that wheat would have sufficed. It was in a growth stage that was easy to kill. There's some research conducted here at Northeast Research Station several years ago looking at different wheat varieties and different growth stages and terminating with Roundup. And they did determine that from the tillering stage or early season through tillering was difficult to control and once it started to get to joining to boot it was easier to control and then once again after it had completely headed but the boot stage and tillering you know it would be kind of fix three where the, still see it laying flat on the ground once you start seeing the wheat pick up that would probably be a better time to go after okay all right uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot for an answer for this one, but you did talk about uh, planting into the green. We know some of that is being done now. Uh, I know I was involved with one last year, one producer. Had very good luck with it, and we're going to leave it at that for a later discussion until we get some more research on that. Uh, but again, you know, that, that is an option. Of course, you know the hazards of the possible green bridge there you have to consider when you're Absolutely. doing that. And be prepared for that. All right, let's move on a little bit further here, Josh. Uh, what about resistant weeds? How do they play into cover crops? You know, we, we're hearing all this about the, the pigweed, the, you know, the, the, the water hemp and all that resistance. Uh, how is this even, and you touched on that, possibly some wheat resistance or grass resistance to some 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 of the different chemicals that are out there. And, and I've seen a, a post on uh one of the uh, uh, Southern Farming or something like that Facebook this week where there's some 2,4-D res or pigweed resistance to 2,4-D coming down out of the north. So in a cover crop, how does this play into it? What would you consider? Uh, well, to consider cover crops to be effective at suppressing weeds, you're going to have to let it grow. You're going to have to let it get as much biomass. You'll have to have the enough seed to germinate to get a good ground cover and, but there's plenty of research that has shown that yes it will help and suppress pigweed i think arkansas has some data on um that actually help over time decrease the seed bank i have to go back and check that one yeah, that's good but yes biomass would be what's critical to help suppress palmer and other situations now if we think about italian ryegrass that's another that's another uh, kink in the system there because the cereals are not going to be highly competitive with ryegrass. It's it's already very hard to uh, 
very competitive weed, and then you know most fields have it. And what's concerning is that we have had some calls this year and some misses with clethodem or select. Had a two pound material, I think it was one to eight or one to ten. One to eight. One to eight. And I actually got a phone call earlier this morning about it from East Carroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always a concern. But by planting the cover crop as early as you can, prior to you know wheat, um, Italian ryegrass. There's some data out of Mississippi showing November is a it's a good time, or is one of the peak times when it's going to start to emerge. If we can get our cover established and growing. You know, it could very well help out suppress that, maybe make it easier to control. I don't know. But um, I guess that's in terms of weed suppression, it's, it's all about biomass. When we talk about biomass, we talk about cereals. Okay. You, you, you mentioned cereal rye there a time or two, and this is a question I hear producers throw up every now and then. You know, everybody's so worried about Italian ryegrass and, and the resistance that, that it has to weed control or burn downs. And a lot of folks, when they hear cereal rye, they say, oh, no, don't want to fool with that. We can't get rid of it. Do you run into this that folks can, are not in their mind separating cereal rye from ryegrass? Well, if cereal rye is used in the in the conversation instead of just rye and then I think there's where some confusion lies you know, somebody says rye what's he talking about rye rye grass cereal <laughs> rye and yes I would never recommend planting any type of rye grass because a lot of it's going to be probably resistant to right um, okay glyphosate anyway alright uh, another thing to mention I'm sorry to interrupt that's okay but, you know a lot of wheat's getting planted. Wheat's great. Does a good job for what you're intending to use it for, holding the soil on the field, nutrient cycling, and so forth. But if you're not buying certified seed, be aware that you can run into some unwanted seed that you're planting at the, when sowing your cover crop. So going, spending a little extra money on certified seed is going to really ensure that we're minimizing any weed dispersal. Uh, you just brought up a great point there that, you know, I reckon maybe we don't think about but we really need to be buying these cover crop seed just like we would be buying soybean seed or corn Absolutely. seed, a good quality seed going in for germination, you know, mm-hmm. for a crop and to keep these unwanted weeds, you know, the noxious weeds and all that's in there to where we're Especially if we're cutting and storing our own, you know, we're bringing it and just multiplying those that weed population back into our fields. So that was a great point there, Josh. Um, um, okay, a couple of quick questions and we're going to cut this off. Um, what if I wanted to get into the cover crops next year? Uh, what I need to be thinking about, you know, if I've never planted before? I would start thinking of what crop I'm going to grow following the cover, what I intend to do with the cover, what do I want it to accomplish, and having a game plan on terminating. When do I want to terminate? You know, you know, a lot of this could go back on termination. What kind of planter do I have? You okay. know, some of these newer planters probably 
do a lot better, you know, with the concerns of down pressure and so forth. But we planted into some stuff terminated two weeks out with those small four-row planters, and it's not we're able to get in there. But we haven't looked at all cover crops, obviously, and some could have be tougher than others. Okay, uh, I reckon kind of what I'm taking from that is kind of do it like we market a crop. We, we know where we're going to market before we plant, so let's know what we're going to do with this cereal, I mean this cover crop before we ever plant it, you know, kind of the, from the end and work back to where we, before we plant. Okay, Josh, it's been a great discussion this morning. Uh, I want to thank you for coming by uh, and talking with us today on some cover crops and, and, and would like to invite you back in the future. As we work through this this spring, we know that the challenges are out there, you know, this spring of coming that's extremely wet. And as we work through that and get into some more cover crop situations across the season, we'd like to invite you to come back and join us again. Absolutely. And I'd like to mention before we go, we'll have the wheat note field day slash cover crop April 20th, I believe. But it will be on the website, and it would be we're going. We have a lot of good um, termination trials out there, and most all crops, cover crops. We have planting date studies. Uh, me and Mr. James Hendricks, Dr. Fultz, Lisa Fultz, Dr. Sam Dola, and many others are involved in, and Dr. Naveen, and trying to answer a lot of these questions that we have. Okay, we'll be looking forward to that notice. It's April twelfth. April twelfth. Okay. Correction there, April 12th on the field day. Will it be here at St. Uh, Winsboro? Macon Ridge. Yeah, Macon Ridge in Winsboro. Okay. Thank you, Josh. And we've enjoyed visiting with you yes, this sir. morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Louisiana Delta Crop Report podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit lsuagcenter.com or contact your local extension office.